Welcome to Speak Sex. I am your host, Eve Eurydice. I am Greek from the island of Lesbos. I'm the writer of three books on female sexuality, Satiricon USA, uh, F32, The Second Coming, F32, published by Scribner, Virago Press. I work um, as a columnist, write the Sex Files column, um, as well as a multimedia artist with the theme of female sexuality, objectification, the dichotomy between our bodies and minds, between our souls and our physical forms, and finding ways to bridge it and become whole again, um, ways to live uh, in touch with ourselves, both physically and spiritually. And I believe that uh, the first step is always speaking about it, We can't smash the patriarchy without speaking about sex. So thank you for listening. Thank you for for trusting me as your sex whisperer. Today's guest um, will talk specifically on this topic with me. Um, His name is Tyron Smith. He's from San Bernardino. He's here actually for the music festival we have. And um, he's a rapper and music producer. Um, but today he's here as a private citizen to discuss his uh, thoughts and uh, politics, political thoughts as well as personal thoughts. As a man of color who um, you know, was raised in a religious community and has tried to find his identity through and out of it. So welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Um so we were when we met we were talking about this briefly you know the way that um christianity is such a cultural stranglehold on the community and yet it is the colonizers religion but it's Correct. been embraced so fully that there is kind of like no way out of it um there is very little discussion even about how to get away from like the spiritual control, right? Correct, correct. I mean, Christianity is so ingrained into the spiritual and mental makeup of people of color, you know, that goes back, you know, to slavery. So it's it's interesting to me because I think the worst thing to happen to people of color besides slavery itself is Christianity mm-hmm. because of its imperialistic and, and colonizing effects it's had on on the brain and the restrictions it's had on the body itself. So, you know, there's there's a there's an interesting there's this interesting quote from you know I I grew up in San Bernardino, but I I didn't really go to to, to college. So when I had friends that went, they would bring back some books that I would sift through and and things like that. So there was this one author in particular, uh, her name was R.G. Lord. She was like this. Oh, yeah. She's a great poet. Yeah. She's a poet, uh, right. black queer feminist. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, as, and she wrote this book of essays. Uh, I forget the name of it. I think it's called Sister Outsider. And there's an essay that's titled The Master's Tools Will Not Dismantle the Master's House. 
so I became so you know of course she was talking about patriarchy at the time but it's kind of tied in you know patriarchy the master's tools right when not dismantle the master's house so for me I took that as you can't use the bible the tool that was used to enslave you as a point of departure for freedom right because how do you how do you use something that was used to to contain your your being you know from from f- physically emotionally and mentally to to free yourself and to and to sort of navigate that and associate that with um with a spiritual some kind of spiritual guidance right you know even though i think that religion builds a community but i think in the long run it has caused more definitely more harm than good you know right but we're talking about sex so because right. i feel like we started super heavy <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, you were right, ready right, right. which is which is wonderful like we want truth so this is more about speaking truth than speaking sex right because the two are one um, but let's just sexualize it for a second. Sure. So w- w- what we're saying is that Christian morality, right, that comes with the faith is a form of social censorship on the body of color, right? It's repressive. Right. And it's um, to a certain extent, uh, well, not to a certain extent, it's very puritanical. Right. You know, in... In indigenous cultures, for example, and in ancient Africa, pre-colonial Africa, before the missionaries came, um, th- there was uh, tribes that had, you know, two spirit people, which we now label them as transsexual. You know that we had they had um, homosexuality and bisexuality, and those people within the tribe within that community were seen as um, medicinal people who had special positions yeah, and they were really honored, revered and respected, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, because they, they brought something different to the community, which they thought was connected to the, to some higher power. You know, they were, instead of being ostracized, instead of being, um, shunned away from society, they were criminalized, criminalized, You know their their sexual body was yeah, and was that's honored. not just it was in honored, it, right? You know? I think it's in almost all. I, I can't generalize, but I think that it's almost all um, pre-Judeo-Christian religious practices had that. You know, so like right. in India, even to this day, within the Hindu religion, the hijras um, who who are transsexuals, but they're kind of like religious transsexuals are good luck you know so if you touch them that brings you luck um there are a lot of the sadhus who um are ascetic and and they are definitely asexual but you know the worship of the shivalingam which is the the shiva's penis is associated with like the naked penis of the sadhu right right so in in ritual time so um and the same thing in in the ancient Greek religion where, again, you know, homosexuality, bisexuality was a rite of passage, basically, you know, more or less for everyone or for most people. Um, And heteronormative sexuality was clearly associated with, you know, reproduction of the species. 
and it was very important, extremely honored. Um, but within that, there wasn't like that um, binary dichotomy of one or the other. Um, and it's also interesting. Well, they, 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 they didn't have any labels. They didn't have... Right, they didn't have those specific, yeah. Right, you know, people just existed within their realm of ex- of, of being. Right. You know? You didn't have to make a choice at like age four. Right. Yeah. And, um, and even today, and again, I want to ask you a little more about your personal journey, but even today in the news, um, there, you know, there was, uh, I think Frank Bruni in the New York Times had an article today, actually, about, uh, you know, gay priests and how he's afraid that if it comes out that there are so many priests, especially in positions of power in the Vatican who are gay, um, and that the majority of the authority figures in the Catholic Church in the Vatican uh, are are gay oriented, whether they're practicing or not. That's I guess <laughs> something yeah. that they're not going to discuss in public. But that his worry is that there will be a gay backlash from like the faithful because they don't want you know gay priests in the church. And it just it seems to me you know so complex to if they've complicated the simplest you know the simplest kind of gift of the gods you know our bodies give us pleasure they have complicated that so enormously it's awful that their priests cannot marry right so that's how it begins and the reason that the priests were not allowed to marry is specifically so that their children could not inherit church property so when the faithful donated property in their wills or when the faithful gave their 10% or whatever, they, however much they gave to the church, there was no one to inherit it from the priests. Yeah, it's, it's about That's economics. Yeah. It's about money right. and property and land. It's not about celibacy. Right. But by repressing these men so much, because we're talking about a lifetime, and it's very difficult for someone to sustain this for a lifetime, no matter how eager he's in the beginning right then all kinds of self-hatred develops naturally because sex is sin sex sends you to hell so even when you masturbate you have to like then uh self-flagellate or you have to go on your knees and 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 say like 10 rosaries you know yeah yeah 10 our fathers and 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 go back and forth right right and so then you project all that self-hatred and so forth. Onto sex. Until sex. And then, in general. And then onto your, your congregation. Right. But also it becomes like an instantly addictive behavior. Because that's what addiction is. You know, you do something, you hate yourself for doing it. So the moment you don't accept it, it becomes like your evil twin. And then you do it again. And, mm-hmm, you know, and then we find yeah, ourselves it's, 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 it's this moment. It's a bit masochistic, moment. isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, no, it's more than masochistic. It's masochistic for the priests, right. yes. Yeah. But it's dehumanizing on the part of the church for its servants, for the, you know, the men who are called to supposedly represent it and spread whatever the word is and all that stuff. It's, you know, I think it's brutal. Um, and the expectation of it, you know, in, in proof of some, some faith. Um, and, it does, it, and it does perpetuate the demonization of sex, of sex of all kinds. Unless it's like in the dark with a wife, she conceives never again. Yeah. Any other. Correct, correct, correct. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's, and the, 
what's even stranger to me is that people just sweep that under the rug. No one wants to dive into it and dissect, you know, the the whole principles of of of, of the church in terms of like how it relates to sex and and the self. You know, um, it seems like people are afraid. You know that they have such such um, they've been brainwashed and controlled by this government, you know, that it's, it's, it's taking a hold. I mean, people have been, uh, people have sacrificed their children and looked the other way when they've been, um, come into contact with the fact that their children have been sexually abused by priests, you know, um, just because they want to stay in good, in, in good, in good faith with the, with, with the church, you know what I mean? So it's. I mean, the whole thing is well, just bizarre. Well, yeah, because the church has is in charge of the afterlife. So, like mathematically, <laughs> correct. Once you actually, you know, believe that your own afterlife, like past the physical stage, um, once you believe there is a soul and you believe there is something after death, once you give all that to the church, to the faith. Then you're like, well, whatever happens here, you know, I can control better than the alternative, which is an eternity, you know, in whatever punishment. So that narrative also is very, you know, controlling. It's like a mass um, mind control, mind fuck, a mass mind fuck. Even in the small town that I grew up in, you Uh know, it's very conservative. What community did you grow up um, in? San Bernardino. Right. In, oh, okay. That's in, small. In, yeah, in California. And you'll see billboards saying, get right with God. Jesus saves. Avoid mm-hmm. God's fury. Mm-hmm. You know? So that constant bombardment in your mind is like, oh, fuck. And how you many know? churches were around um, your there, house? There were, there were, I would say, in my immediate surrounding, about four. Mm-hmm. You know, there were Protestants, um, one Catholic, mm-hmm. um some Baptist, there were some Seventh-day Adventist. So, I mean, some of them were a lot stricter than others, but in the community as a, as a whole was pretty much very white Republican, conservative, almost right wing, you know? Um, so, so, so people, how did you feel that your family being religious affected you sexually from the beginning? Well, I think that, I mean, People of color in general try to assimilate to the dominant culture. Um, my family operated in the same way. You know, they they kind of just uh, wanted to to be the good black people, you know, um, and and wanted to make sure that they didn't stand out in any negative way, you know. So, and I think that the the church gave them that behavior model that that behavior model and that Mm -hmm. fear Mm. you know that you have to follow us and follow our way or else where you're going to be shunned did did you all worship in a black church or it was a um it was it was pretty pretty diverse there was Mm. now in san bernardino is mostly a white right you just said that very white so this wasn't like like black all black communities Mm -hmm. um so so yeah and so how did that affect you sexually again? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, hmm. 
I mean, I always had, you know, girlfriends and always identified as, as heterosexual. But I think that th- that curiosity of kind of playing with my best friend or, or another guy kind of was in the back of my mind. But it didn't really play out until years later. Um, and being in, in uh, being a musician and being in around artists, um, you, you kind of felt that there was energy there between me and, and and a fellow friend, you know. But we never we never acted on it because we one we didn't, you know, in such small towns, you know, rumors and news spread like wildfire, wildfire, you know. So we, there was always that fear of someone finding out. Mm-hmm. At least, and and it's very unspoken too. You know, you have, you know, the, the these these communications with other people through eyes and through and through body and through heat, but it's never spoken. You know, it's it's always this pent up um, curiosity that you want you want to um, experience. You know, and live, but through fear. So, like you and a fellow rapper would hang out, and you would feel that. You'd like, or both would like, to get well, naked, right. but you couldn't talk about it at all. Well, one of my interesting, one of the most interesting things that happened was on a trip to to Jamaica. I was working, um, helping this this really popular reggae artist with a new album. He had asked me to to come, and he he flew me in, and the he the studio was in a basement. The studio was in a basement, and it was pretty pretty nice, you know, very spacious. And I come in, I you know, his wife greets me, opens the door, you know, everything's fine. I go downstairs, um, we start talking. Um, she goes back, she 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 stays upstairs because she's making it was lunchtime and she's making us lunch. So I sit down and we start talking, but he comes close, really close to me. Like our legs were touching, and his, you know, he was pretty much staring into into my my eyes, and I I was like uncomfortable yet excited at the same time because I didn't know what was going on. So, it was the kind of intimate um, closeness that you can feel someone's breath on your face, you know, when, while while they spoke, and I felt the energy, you know, I felt that tension, that sexual tension. I was like holy fuck, what's going, what's going to happen? What's going on right now? And then next thing you know, we hear footsteps coming down the stairs and we're like, and then he, he, he just like gets up and sits to the other, on the other side of the room. And I'm like, do you guys man. get hard? Well, I did. Oh, you couldn't tell. Okay. Yeah. I, did. Did. I mean, I got rock hard. I like, my dick was like, like throbbing, you know, <laughs> but, he, um, but then you know, his wife came, and by the time that she reached the final steps downstairs, he was on uh, on the other side. And mind you, I mean, he could have sat anywhere. There were we were on a couch. He he could have sat on the other side of the couch. Could have sat on, on 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 the producer's chair, but he decided. And then for a long time after that, I would think, what if his wife never came down? What would have happened? Exactly. You know, what if she hadn't so you've been always there? Wondered. I always wondered. Yeah, and and there has never been any word that he he's known as straight. He presents cor- as straight completely. Correct, correct, correct. And there hasn't been any kind of... Uh, well, I, I don't live in Jamaica, so I wouldn't know what's going on in the neighborhood. But from my 
um, vantage point, there hasn't been any any wording of him being like bisexual right. or, or actually there aren't that many. I don't think I'm not aware or of, like on the of DL many um, or anything like that. Right? Yeah, that it's it's uncommon for uh, Rasta to identify as gay. I can't. Oh, definitely, right. definitely. Yeah, because part of their religion itself is actually the kind of like masculine, right. sexual... Homophobic. Right, homophobic, masculine, you know, fertile energy where like they are ready to go with any girl. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so that's the, the sexuality, I think, that is part of, yeah, part of that culture. And again, you know, it's a combination of fertility-based... Um, and um, and social fear, because you know one doesn't have to exclude the other. And it's so funny but because they're not Christian, so just for you know for the record. No, right, right. Their um, their Rastafarianess comes out of, um, I believe, Ethiopia. Um, Alice Selassie, I and right, Alice that. Selassie, right, right, right. Um, the Lion I, of Judah. The Lion of mm-hmm. Judah. <laughs> I have a friend who I just spoke to recently on the phone who lives in Brooklyn. And she was dating a guy from Jamaica. Uh-huh. And she's from Trinidad. Uh-huh. And she he he proposed to her, oh, let's can we have a threesome with another girl? And then she said, sure, but can, I, can you make me happy and let's be fair? And can, would you have a threesome with another guy? So she she was telling me that he was always, he grew up in a very strict uh, house in Jamaica, but he always had this curiosity to be with another man. But his, uh, it was so imposed on him, this fear, this this inability to to explore and be with other dudes that he kind of locked himself in to just like, oh, I just want to be with women. Even though she said she can tell that he really wants to be with another man, you know? Um, so, I mean, eventually she broke up with him, you know, because she, he would say, you know, her she's a twin and her sister is a lesbian and she lives in Norway um, with her wife. And she has a brother who's who's gay who lives in uh, Fort Lauderdale with his husband. So, and she's like one out of, the, out of 10 kids. Oh, wow. So for her, it was more... Um, not just political, but more in, in immediate because it affected her the way that she sees um, sexuality. So she's no longer with him. But she she said that the the restraint that the church and, and the family puts on people sexually is, is so evident in in him. It was so evident in him. Right. You know, and I don't really think it's the family. I mean, for my my point of view, from all you know, the countless stories and interviews and experiences. I don't think, you know, let's not blame the mom and dad. I mean, unless they are abusive, that's separate. But they, you know, they're innocent. Like, like on the individual level, we're all innocent. Because, as we were saying in the beginning, you it, know... It's a learned the, behavior the, almost. Right. A, it, and yeah. the culture, the you know, the church, the you know, the propaganda, the schooling, you know, the law, they're all you know, focused and geared in that direction of, like, repressing, sexual repression of all deviancy, all non-procreative, uh, you know, exuberance. So, for 
needlessly. So I think that it's really not, you know, it's better not to blame our parents or our uncles or whoever, so long as they were not abusive. Um, and, and understand that overall what we need to do is to retrain our thought processes, you know, to, to find consciousness. And in order to find consciousness, we have to become, to slow down, to slow our responses, you know, to take a moment and think before we react, you know, sexually as well as in every other way, you know, to find like, to open up space, like meditative space around our feelings that are so strong um, and around our immediate, what we call instincts, but mm -hmm. they're not really instincts. They're just correct, like correct. thoughtless responses based on learned, uh, you know, cues. So if but we can slow everything down to earn consciousness, then I think we will respond more lucidly to sexual as well as in general other social um, offers, you know, cues, instead of feeling uh, self-defensive. Um, no, I, I correct, mm -hmm. I hear you, but I think there also has to be a willingness, a desire to to examine yourself and where your programming comes from and yes. and to learn your history yes. of, of your culture, where you come from, and how does that differ from where you are right now and where you, and where you were put, you know, as, you know, people were displaced from not just their location, you know, during slavery, but also displaced from their culture, you yeah, know, completely. So, completely. So how does it's a total break? Right, exactly. So we have to, we have to take it upon ourselves to learn. Okay, um, to, I believe sex is like this because of what I'm taught now. But how, how, why did I learn that, and how did I learn that? You know, and can I go back to? that place where, where sex was um, viewed as just something that was part of life because of pleasure, because whether you want to procreate or because you just want to just have all these different right, experiences, exactly. yeah. you know, and not just these right. um, like patriarchal boxes, exactly. you know, that, you know, which is what Christianity is. I mean, the reason why, you know, I think the foundation of patriarchy is um, religion, you know, labeling God as a, as a male, you know, having these gender roles where women have to serve the man, you know, because you're serving God who's a man, you know, so it's, it, it all ties in together, you know, but you have to be willing to, to, to stop and say, okay, is this, was, you know, is this, how fucked up is this, you know, and, and where, through my lineage, where, in my ancestral lineage, how did they view sex and and spirituality and women? You know, because in in a lot of ancient traditions, it was very matriarchal. Yeah, yeah, know? the mother nature worship. You know, that's right. like the the whole all animistic traditions are mother based with a capital M, because what keeps you alive is nature. So what Correct. you worship is the cycles of nature, you know, how the crops, uh, you know, are uh, come up and you get to harvest and you get to survive. You know, you worship fire, the basic things that you got in front of you that keep you from dying. Correct. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I mean, I don't think that patriarchy is uh, only religion. I think that it predated religion. And, and again, you know, for those listening who are Christian, 
I, I, I personally believe in Christ. I love Christ. I don't think it's about Christ. It's about how um, that system that we call patriarchy, and you cannot find other words for it if you don't like it. You know, whatever you want to call it, you can come up with any name. I mean, But that I like system um, can, can take over... Any any story, any narrative, and turn it around and make it its own, right? It can co-opt whether it's a rebel like Christ was, or you know, uh, the, I, I had someone here who was a, a Gnostic bishop. The same thing. It can co-opt any movement. It can co-opt rap. Look at what what's happening now in your field. You know, right. it's constantly co-opted by you know capitalism for its own correct, ends. Correct. Right. So. As individuals, our only choice, as you said, is to think, you know, to take time and, like, revisit and know who, find out what we really think for ourselves. And we can go back the way to how things were, but we can recreate our own truths, right, and stand by them. Exactly. Like, like, like for example, Christ, for me, is this... Uh, black queer dude right so, <laughs> <laughs> so so once i i once i i uphold that truth for me then i respect people or treat people accordingly to how i view christ right if i think god, uh, uh, god or christ is like this very uh, domineering um malicious person who's going to come after you if you do if you have like um, anal sex with a woman, right, or have sex with her when she's on her period, you know, then then that's how you can live your life, right? But if you broaden the scope of Christ and really get to know, you know, what he he did, you know, I mean, Christ will be the first person to have a meal with a, a trans group of, of people, right? You know, so I mean, once you 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 are aware of that. You know, then that's how you move forward through life, you know, through whether it's sex, whether it's how you treat people, how you, in your relationships. You know, I think it takes... Right, that the, original the, the, that, that idea model, of, That model, right. right. Yeah, so the original name was agape, which is love. Right. Right, um, and it was love for everyone. There was not even a concept in his original teachings of, like, excluding, you know, you, th- that was the revolution of what he was doing at the time when there were castes and you know not mm-hmm. just slaves but mm-hmm. all kinds of categories to put people in and separate them he Correct. was like no just forget all that shit and love everyone as unconditionally as you can totally revolutionary we have not practiced it period in all these years of christianity oh no at all, well, at all. right we do cru- crusades and <laughs> we <laughs> we've done the opposite how could you use this gay to conversion colonize? therapy? Yeah, oh, you know it's it, it's horrible what what it, it's turned into. I mean, it's it's a money making machine. Yeah, you know. Yeah, there are, the churches are tax exempt. They collect <laughs> money from the poor. <laughs> yeah, they in buy. They, they, yeah, <laughs> they, they buy. You know their their Rolls Royces and 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 million multi million dollar homes from the money from from their uh, mm-hmm. constituents. But again. This is not about anyone specific because I totally respect every priest, every 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 you know parishioner. So this is not about faith. Faith is wonderful. We're just trying to find a way to bring the original 
message of love, right? Back into whatever your faith is. So to go back to you, um, you actually did at some point, right, clearly, because of how you speak now, have a conversion or a revolution of your own. <laughs> <laughs> right? Correct. Yeah. I, I converted to um, agnostic. You know, I, I'm just kind of like, you know, I, I've been to Buddhist temples and I, I like that a lot. Um, but it was, you know, because I, with my conclusion with how I, I was brought up, I, I, I think that in order to be completely free as a person of color, you have to divorce yourself from Christianity. You know, and I think sexually to uncover that that those states of repression and of construction, you know, you, you have to, you know, for me personally, you have to divorce yourself from everything that's causing the the constricting and that's limiting your... So when you became an agnostic, you also became a bisexual? Um, I guess, but I mean... It's uh, I'm not practicing, you know. I don't really go out there and not out in the open, but right, right, yeah, right. right. Uh huh. I mean, eventually, I, I've had experiences, but um, what did you think of the film um, Midnight um... Cowboys? <laughs> <laughs> That's a totally different topic. No, I know, I know. Yeah, um, because I felt that it w- it it show the film itself. I thought, you know show the repression we're talking about because you have um, two uh, queer characters of color well more than two but let's say there is a love story lurking underneath all that you know all the drama and the melodrama Um, but we never really visually see them go at it at all which is why I don't like I didn't like the movie Mm -hmm. because I'm not sure if you saw this movie called 17 no. Um, it's a it's a European film. I think it was a French filmmaker. I'm not sure, but it's an excellent movie uh, about these high school teenagers um, who are very uh, sort of um, very hetero identified, but their relationship took on a different form throughout. But anyway, back to Midnight. The I didn't like it because American cinema has such a hard time pushing that envelope of showing. Uh, gay relationships on film you know and in order to to make it mainstream or to cross over you have to scale it back a little bit so when they were on the beach right at night and um the light-skinned dude was jerking off the his his friend right mm-hmm. and they were oh, is that a, what they were doing i think so because i he, didn't know he was, i did not know he, he jerked him off and then he wiped his hand on the sand i did not after, know that after he came right I so, had no idea. But what this pissed, is the first I hear of it, and I've seen it twice. <laughs> <laughs> but what pissed me off is that the camera was shooting from behind. Yeah, that's why I didn't know. I yeah. mean, I'm a girl and I'm white, so like I have no access to that world. They have to show me everything. I need right. to. I need to know literally what's happening. Right, right. Because they didn't I show. Didn't see I mean, it. I, I'm not sure if they kissed or what was going on. But but we have no idea. We have no idea because and it's so dark. And it's so dark because it was nighttime. Well. Yeah, but how convenient. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) But but that's what pissed me off because throughout the whole, you know... The whole whole film film, is leading to this. It's leading to this and then it's like... And okay, the first time... You leave the the theater with fucking blue balls. (laughs) (laughs) 
see, I love this because I didn't get that either. But yeah, I mean, the first time I saw it, it was like the opening night here. So it was long before it became successful. Um, okay. And I felt the same way. I felt, wait a minute, like the main topic is hardly touched on. And a lot of the characters are still kept in like cliche Hollywood, uh, you know, types, prototypes, Correct. archetypes. Um, but the second time I saw it with friends, either it had just won the Oscar or it was about, about to, it was right before the Oscars. I saw it with a group of friends. So everyone knew what it was about. It was finally a film about black men, men of color who are gay, which we've never really explored enough. So mm-hmm. everyone went with that expectation. And then at the end of it, everyone looked at each other and said, wait, wait, where was the gay part? Because even in prison, we don't see. Like, how come when he gets all beefed up in prison, he doesn't have any sex with anyone? It's just, again, you know, the sex was left completely out of his story. That's all about sex. Exactly. It's, it's horrible. That's why, that's why that's my biggest issue with American cinema. You know, it's not willing to go there. To it please. goes there when it's about violence. Of course. They will not of stop themselves at anything. We have to see every the, the, entrail, prefer to, every to bloody shoot a whole vein. bunch of people than have <laughs> innocent, someone have innocent right. sex. Have like a shot of like the naked nipples or the vagina or forget the penis. Correct, the penis correct. is like the ultimate taboo. Correct, <laughs> the direct penis. And even at the end the of the film, taboo. even at the end of the film, when he goes back to, you know, the guys working at the diner, you know, and they have this, you know, um, like this reconnection. And then they're at the the dude's apartment and then the film ends. And you're yeah, like, what the yeah, fuck happened? Yeah, I know. Are they going to exactly. fuck? Are they going to like never know. stay together? It's so... I don't know. They're going to hold hands forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah. They won't give you a shot, a close-up of a hard-on in a pair of jeans. I'm not saying naked, but just like cut to a pyramid, you know? How is that in any way offensive or scary or I don't know, whatever? (laughs) So It's horrible, it's horrible. They kind of force people into the world of pornography, which is the worst place to get your information and education from because it's so sexist and misogynist and, you know, stereotypical. Um because they won't give out anything in mainstream uh, you know, imagery. And the, maybe we'll get like a limp dick uh, uh, you know, hiding under a lot of pubic hair. Correct. That's about it. <laughs> right, right. No, because if, if you show, if you show um, a, a penis of any kind, then the movie is NC-17. Right, exactly, yeah. You know? But yeah. but go ahead and, and show the female body, you know. But get, I mean, without penetration, just to show a man... Naked, erect. I have, I have personally, I have no clue why that is an issue. Um, it, it actually, it's a shortcut. You know, in a very quick shot, you don't have to stare. You, you know, no one says you keep right. the camera on the right. thing and make it porn, but just allowing it as part of the narrative, we skip a lot of talk. We understand immediately where he's at, what he's doing, what's happening. You know, then you can cut to something else. The the body has its own language, and if the film allows the body Correct. inside, Correct. right, we'll get in the story faster. But I think it's still um, a lot of it is still under the control of like Mr. Disney, and you know romance, and so part of that whole romantic idea is that the the guy is sexless. You know, he worships the sexless female. <laughs> 
<laughs> and everybody's in like fancy clothing. <laughs> <laughs> all covered up. Yeah. All covered up, going to like the imaginary ball. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's all done in, in code. And we gotta break that code. We really have to make conscious effort, you know, well, to break out of shame by changing our codes and our words. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the one of the greatest films I've seen in a while, well, in this decade, was uh, speaking of shame, was a film called Shame, by the same director who did I forget his name, who did uh, Twelve Years of a Slave. Yeah. And this film. Uh, was with Michael Fassenbender. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Um, he he was he was the protagonist, and he had a sex addiction, right? Which is, you know, something real. So he would, um, he would just leave his job. He'd be at the computer, and he'll be, you know, so hard that he'll just have to go and and get an escort, or or just find sex somewhere, you know. He had to, you know, if a guy propositioned him, he'll he'll get a blowjob from from a dude anywhere, you know. And then he had there was this weird dynamic relationship with him and his sister, that was you could feel that it was a bit sexual, incestuous, incestuous, um, but it, it didn't really delve into it. But you felt like through their chemistry and their body language that something was there that was unresolved from their youth. So it was a very very poignant film for me. Um, but uh, but for some reason, America doesn't really make those kinds of films because right. I think they feel like the audience isn't ready for it. But even that film, and I don't want to, you know, I'm, I don't want to be playing devil's advocate too much. But even that film, you see, it presents that rampant sexuality as the disease. Correct. And um, I agree and, there. Yeah, and and I think that of course there is sex addiction and people who feel that they have this problem, have to go to SAAA. They have to go to meetings. That they, they're the exact same meetings as alcoholics for the audience out there, Sex Addicts Anonymous, uh, and it helps a lot. But the only reason that sex might even become an addiction is because we de- de- demonize it. So we, you know, it's the se- again, it's the self-hatred for giving in to sex, and then you self-medicate that hatred. You stop hating yourself by doing it again. And then after you do it again, you hate yourself. So it's that horrible cycle that begins from considering, you know, giving in to sexual impulse, negative, you know, a sin, a sign of uh, lack, lack of control, a sign of weakness. So, you know, sex, sex doesn't have to be a sign of weakness. It's it's actually you know, normal, right, right, and natural, and once ex- exactly, and it is a source of like power, the celebration of life. So, finding that new way of seeing it um, helps you get out from that nasty cycle that um, that brings everything down. You know, the whole sexual experience of someone just gets thrown down into the dark pits of your you know your consciousness and your existence and it's hard to bring it back up and the only way really in treatment is to stay completely monogamous and to stay completely honest so you go right back right to what we've been taught because there is no other way out right sadly right. Right. right and then there has to be a relearning of sex education right because even in school when in high school or or in in middle school 
when they give you sex ed, it's about the sperm going into the vagina. Right. You know, there's it's so not about how to talk about it. And it's not yeah. about how to talk about it. It's not about how to do it, how to take precautions, how to really fully involved. Yeah, you know, and and and, it's not, and they don't even and forget about talking about the curiosities that people may have to experience sex with with people who look like them with the same gender. You right. know, it's very, um, it's like very well. It's also always secret. That's, I mean, that's partly why we're here today, and I think we've reached more or less the end of our hour, but. Um, that's exactly why we're here today, because the first thing is to bring it, that we can do is bring it to the light and not keep it secret, right? Because if you go and have sex in secret, because it's you know, bad, then you immediately enter that cycle that we're talking about. But that secrecy leaves so much damage, because right. if, even if you look at Jamaica, there's such high level of HIV, because men are married men are having sex with other men. You know, because they're not allowed to be their full selves, right? And I remember, like, it happens in these... I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, these men on on, on the DL go out there, have unprotected sex. They they don't think anything of it. They go back home, have, have sex unprotectedly with their wives, have unprotected sex with their wives, and that's how it spreads. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, it's a whole epidemic. Wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's true. Oh, very sad. Okay, well, this has been a loaded, super intense. It was very heavy. Right? It's good. (laughs) Thanks for coming, Tyrone. (laughs) 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 I think everybody needs a snack. Thank you for listening. Thank you for trusting me as your sex whisperer. I am grateful to have you as part of our team and tribe. And please, until I see you next week, speak sex. Ciao. Ciao.